authentic conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good evening, America. Today is January the 25th, 2015. I don't know if it's me or if it's just time, but things are moving at a pace that's almost unconceivable. How or is it inconceivable? I think it's inconceivable. Anyway, with all of that said, today uh, we put together a program for you that has been requested by many. You, as you well know, I am, I guess, very similar to Oprah and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and many others. I am a strong believer that the laws of attraction are not mythological, but they are, in essence, extremely valid and extremely real. The thing that makes them work for many of us is just the mere acceptance of their validity. However, Believe it or not, you are on a consistent basis either pushing things away from your life or you're attracting things to your life. Look at that person that's in your that you're married to, dating, sentenced to, stuck with, wish was not there. No, I'm just kidding. But the the any of the stuff that you have, be it the shirt on your back, the car you're driving, the clothes that you wear. Um, the job you have, all of those things are the direct result of you into the ethers of thought. Then having that thought convert itself from mere dialogue, mere wishing, to manifestation. The question is, how in the heck can I harness that power and make that happen with deliberate intent for the things in my life that I desire most. And if you're like most of us, you desire a lot. You desire a good job. You desire having a little money in your pocket. You desire having someone to love you. You desire having at least a reasonable, intimate life. You desire wealth. You desire good health. And for many of us, these very things that we desire tend to elude us. What makes this even worse is you, especially you women, are out there creating and fulfilling everybody's desires. Your kids say, Mommy, I want, and you get it. Whether it's something to eat, a toy, an article of clothing, you make the impossible happen on a consistent basis for those whom you love. The other thing that just adds insult to injury here is that you are constantly creating uh, from nothing pulling out of thin air things that if you only did that for yourself, as a matter of fact, take a moment and ask yourself this question. Would treat you the way you treat them, how much easier would it make your life? Well, I can assure you of this. Tonight, by the time this program goes off the air, not only will you have a new understanding for God himself and your relationship with your creator, It's going to go far deeper than that. You are going to understand how and what you need to do in order to bring into existence the very things that you desire. This includes, and you heard me say everything. I didn't say some things. I didn't say uh, G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, but you couldn't get Barbie. You know, that's some old stuff now. I don't even know if they make G.I. Joe and Barbie is looking kind of strange these days. As a matter of fact, I want to ask you something. Where did some yo-yo get the idea to give Barbie a tramp stamp? Yes, I actually saw a Barbie with tattoos on. There is something the heck wrong with us, but, you know, that's another program altogether. But let's start here. 
Before anything can happen in this world, there are two camps that exist. One camp is the religious camp, the camp that says, you know what, uh, if you believe what I believe, if you kick your heels together three times, if you say Allah, if you say Muhammad, if you say Yahweh, Yeshua, Jesus, if you uh, practice Zen Buddhism you, and you think anyone else that doesn't believe or do what you do is going to hell. And some of you don't even believe in hell, but if you don't believe in hell, just go to Fort Worth or East St. Louis. No, I'm just kidding. But just go somewhere, and you will see that hell is very real because we get an exposure to it here on earth. We get that exposure often without hearing a shot fired, without being afflicted in any way other than within the corridors of that dead space between our ears. We, many of us, are in hell just emotionally and mentally because we cannot escape self. We cannot escape our fears. We cannot escape the very things that are causing us to feel uh, marginalized and discombobulated. So to comfort you, I'm going to talk to this other side of the audience that is just spiritual. Now, the issue with that is what the heck is spiritual? And spirituality, is there there any accountability? Now, I will say that my dominant uh, experience with the divine has been rooted in Christianity. And, you know, I'm not saying that's the only path to reach transcendence. It's my path. It does not have to be your path. But at the end of the day, the God that I have studied, and I have a master's degree in metaphysics from a very well-respected institution, which embraces all religions. It is so uh, diverse in its approach that the United States government likes it and hates it all at the same time. But the one thing I can say is the University of Metaphysics, University of Sedona, has graduated more doctoral and master's degree uh, candidates than any university in the world in terms of a global audience. Uh, Everybody from sheiks and shahs to heads of state have finished from that school. Even a bunch of celebrities, including yours truly, uh, have had the pleasure of benefiting from being in an environment that respects all of humanity's connections to the divine. I want to prove to you that beyond the shadow of a reasonable doubt that God exists. Now, I know I've already got somebody out there now and uh, probably a pickup truck with a Confederate flag in the back window going, oh, hell, how, how, how do you know God exists? Well, my producer just said, Never mind. I will stop watching Moonshiners. I just like the show. Okay. Anyway, but is there a God and does he exist? I'm going to give you some evidence first, and I'm starting here for a reason, that if I can convince you that God exists, then it won't be hard for me to help you make the connection that you can manifest miracles yourself because God said that you could. He gave you the authority and the power and the right. He even created and fashioned you in such a miraculous way that anything that you want, you can have it. Now, is there a God? Does God exist? I'm going to give you some reasons why you can believe this. Just once, wouldn't you love for someone to just simply show you the evidence of God's existence without any arm twisting, no statements, you have to just believe? I'm going to tell you, I went through a season in my life when my mother passed away, but even before that, when my father passed away, which was some 20 years prior to my mother passing away, I was a young man in college, bright future. And all I could recall was Cicero Young not allowing me to go outside if I didn't go to church on Sunday. It's like my dad would tell me, boy, if you don't get up and go to Sunday school and church, and you don't have to go. And he would always say it exactly like that. And you don't have to go. 
But if you don't go do this, you cannot go outside. You can't ride that bike. You will be in your room watching the television, and you can come have dinner, but you cannot go out that garage door. <laughs> now, me being an a active kid, Last thing in the work world I wanted to hear was I couldn't go ride my bike and go play and do this and do that. So I then started wondering, okay, why is my dad so hell-bent on me going to church? So I started doing, you know, I just, you know, he was the head deacon there, and I would see all of this hypocrisy. I saw the deacons messing. I, you know, I saw the whole thing that you see in dysfunctional church. The pastor was uh, a questionable individual. The people in the choir were messing around with each other, and the choir director was living at that time. We didn't know what to call it, but he was always kind of like acting freaky, you know, and feminine. And I just was like, okay, this is weird. But there was some kind of peace that I would get in the core of my spirit, even as a child, because every night I saw Cicero Young on his knees praying. Another thing that I knew is that there were events and things that would happen in my father's life that couldn't happen to nobody but him. Like he belonged to a credit union, and they would have this annual meeting. And every year my father would win some money, and it was almost as if he had something going uh, with the people that, and I'm talking about it'd be a thousand people in this room, and Dad would always get his name pulled and win money. Moreover, I noticed that anything my parents ever wanted, from houses to cars, they never had to worry about bad credit. My mother was an old woman and had an 800 credit score, and I was like, okay. I just took this for granted. I just figured, you know what, it's just the way that they that they are that this has happened. Well, <laughs> bull, that's not the truth. There is some candid evidence that there are scriptural laws, divine laws, man, manly made laws. And what I'm going to say is this. If you order my book, and I'm not doing this show to sell you a book. I, I make decent money, so that's not it. But if you were to order the book, Break Up, Don't Break Down, or you order my other book, Another Chance, Where Would You Be Without One, you will see my own testimony about things I have seen that are irrefutable. So with all that said, first let's consider some things. When it comes to the possibility of God's existence, every holy book on earth, and especially the Bible, says that there are people who have sufficient evidence, but they have suppressed the truth about God. In other words, on the other hand, for those who want to know God, uh, to know if God is there, they say, and even in the Word it says, if you seek me, you will find. And when you seek God, you have to seek God with all of your heart. Now, what does that mean, seek God with all of your heart? It, it gets really simple. Um, oh, and my producer just told me that this show, this show's recording is not going to uh, some technical glitch, so you might really want to pay attention. And if you can record this show on your own, do so, because for whatever reason, uh, the time uh, – the time construct on this thing didn't set up properly. But anyway, uh, that's just even more evidence that only certain people are meant to hear this program tonight, and obviously you must be one of those people. Now, with all of that said, getting back to what I was saying to you, there is proof that God exists. Now, I'm going to start saying, yes, you do have to seek God in order to find him. And you have to want a relationship with him, and you have to want to know him. You have to understand that there are some things that will go above and beyond your ability to grasp God. And that's why it says that with some people, you will only access God through faith. Now, what does that mean? It's really simple. Um, through faith you can find God, and if you want to find God, you have to look for him. 
Now, what does that mean in a nutshell? That means it means simply this: He is going to reveal Himself to those that seek Him. Now, some of you are going, "Man, I thought this show was about me getting what I wanted." It is. Calm yourself down. Go eat you some lunch meat. And by the time you get through making your press ham sandwich, you will have understood what I'm trying to teach you. The complexity of our planet is where I want to start. The complexity of our planet points out to a deliberate design who not only created this planet but our universe and sustains it today. Now, people go, oh, wow, here he goes with that. Just sit down. I'm coming for you. By the time I get through proving to you that God exists, then you're going to understand, moreover, not only does God exist, but he also exists in a way that is way, way, way beyond anything you could fathom or that you could imagine. So here's where we're going to start with this. The earth is sized perfectly. And you go, what do you mean? The earth size and corresponding gravity holds a thin layer of mostly nitrogen, oxygen, and a few other gases right at about 50 miles above the earth's surface. Now, if the earth were any smaller, this atmosphere would be impossible, you know, kind of like the planet Mercury, if you guys remember that from school. Uh, it just wouldn't work, and, you know, because Mercury is a small planet. If the earth were any bigger, my atmosphere would probably contain hydrogen, which would burn your nostrils and every other membrane out in your body, kind of like Jupiter. And check this out. The Earth is the only known planet that we know of in our solar system. You know, now they have found some things that they think may work, but to get there, and Earth time, you'd have to die and be born two or three times to get there. But the other point of it is is that it is equipped with just the right mixture of gases to sustain this planet. And this is really going to blow your mind. Isn't it funny? People, plants, and animals can all live based on the Earth's ecosystem. Now, if you could just wrap your brain around you mean to tell me a fish can live in water, I can live on the land, and there's enough oxygen in both places to keep us both alive, even though we have nothing in common uh, atomic, uh, um, and, and in terms of our structure or, um, you know, anatomically, you know, meaning that, and the way your anatomy is constructed. Now, check this out. Some of you put your go ahead and put that get your, get the, I'm not even going to tell you to put the wine down tonight. I'm not even going to tell you to put the joint out or whatever it is that you ain't got no business doing that you should have stopped a long time ago. I want you to really listen to this. The Earth is located just the right distance from the sun. Now consider, check this out. Now consider the temperature swings we encounter: roughly 30 degrees to 100 and minus 30. To about 120. Like you go to the north or south pole, it's minus 30 degrees. If you know you go to the Mojave Desert or the Sudan, it's 120 degrees. Right. Everything else is in the middle. Now, if the Earth were any further away from the sun, we would either all freeze. If we were any closer to the sun, we would all burn up. Just think about that for a minute now. Even just a fractional variance in the Earth's position to the sun would make life impossible on Earth. Now, see, the Earth remains this perfect distance from the sun while it rotates around the sun at a speed of, oh, give or take, 5,000, 3,000 miles per hour, but it's rotating at around 67,000 miles per hour. And it's also rotating on an axis, being at an angle, allowing the entire surface of the earth to be warmed and cooled every day. Now, just think about what I'm telling you now. And our moon is the perfect size and distance from the earth, for you know, because of the gravitational pull. And, and check this out. The moon creates ocean tides and movements so the waters don't become stagnant. So every time you look at the waves and you see all of this, 
it is the gravitational pull of the moon that keeps uh, our oceans moving and circulating appropriately. And check this out now. If the moon wasn't there, the water would just be stagnant still. It'd be hot as hell on this planet, not to mention that the moon has all them potholes and craters on it because when asteroids and random space debris attempts to hit this planet, almost 95 to 98% of the time it hits the moon instead of the earth, which would throw us into extinction. Now, think about what I'm telling you now. Now, this goes even deeper. Look at the water. Water is colorless, odorless, and does not have a taste, but yet no living thing on this planet can survive without it. <laughs> now, again, you're, you're going, Doc, what the hell does that have to do with me getting what I want? I'm going there. Just sit down and get you a popsicle or something to calm your butt down. The water allows us to live in an environment with fluctuating temperatures while keeping our bodies at 98.6 degrees, give or take point some degrees. Now think about this now. Water is a universal solvent. The property of water con contains minerals and nutrients and all these things that go in our bodies and into the smallest cell structures within our body. Now, again, I'm proving to you that God exists. Now, I'm going to give you something else. Water is also chemically neutral. We already know that if something is too basic or it has too much of an alkaline content, for those of y'all that are still getting chemicals in your head, your hair would beat and fell out worse than it already has, boo. For those of you that are making some good shine up there in Appalachian, Tennessee, you couldn't make that moonshine had you not found that water. Quit looking at me like that. My producer is looking at me like, why do you like it? Just leave me alone. Those of you who are addicted to that box of wine and Coca-Cola, without water, you cannot make that. Now, check this out. Without affecting the natural makeup of substances, water enables food to grow. Water is what we use to make almost all of our medicines. Water does... Uh, does just about everything we could ever ask it to do. And all you have to do is just pay attention to how important this one element of all the other elements um, on our planet work. Without water, we would not exist Matter of fact, 97% of the Earth's water is in the ocean. Now, get this now. We live on land. Isn't it we cannot drink the water that's in the ocean? Because God set it up where we couldn't extinguish the source of our supply. But in order to make sure we have fresh water, we have rain and snow. Now, again, I know that's kind of like going, okay, what does that have to do with it? I'm coming for you. The human brain simultaneously processes an amazing amount of information, at least some of our brains do. Some other people's brains, well, Charlie, I don't know what's going on with these folks' brains, so do not blame me, and I'm not going to blame you. But let's just tell the truth. The, the amount of information that we are able to process is almost phenomenal. Um, what I want you to think now is if that's the case, how can we get this to work even better than where it started? Now, now I'm going to back this in. The human brain, for those of us that even try to use our brains, it can process uh, more than one million messages per second. I didn't say in a week. I didn't say that it could process uh, this information um, overnight or that it, it would take you two or three days. Now, some of y'all just slow, and I'm going to pray for y'all. But for those of you that are not slow, we have an opportunity to do something very special, and that is to look at how did this brain end up being able to observe information, create information, 
store information, operate your body, determine heat, determine density, determine pressure, all of that. And you know how to do all of those things by the time you're one to two years old. <laughs> now, again, if you're wondering, does God exist? Now, this goes even deeper. I'm just going to take one organ out of all of your business, out of all the stuff that he's given you. And when I say your business, I mean your hands, your feet, your genitalia. No, I'm not going to talk about that, you freaks. Calm down. But your eye. Did you know your eye can distinguish among 7 million shades of color? It can handle 1.5 million messages at the same time. That's your eye. And you ask me, does God exist? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Scientists, for those of you that are agnostic, are convinced that our universe began with one enormous explosion of energy and light. Others believe that it began because God said, you know, he created the universe. Well, I'm going to give you like this. I don't care what you believe. Both are correct. Because if you believe that it started with a big bang, with one singularity, or you believe that God spoke it into existence, check this out. An astrophysicist named Robert Jastrow, a self-described agnostic, meaning person that doesn't really believe in God, said the seeds of everything that has happened in this universe was planted in first instant every star, every planet, every living creature in the universe came into being as a result of events that were set in motion in one big cosmic explosion. <clears throat> the universe flashed into being, and we cannot figure out what caused it to happen. Now, get that. Somebody had to do something to get this thing started. You know, somebody got the party started. Another one, Steven Weinberg, Nobel laureate in physics, said, at the moment of this explosion, the universe had about 100,000 million degrees centigrade, and the universe was filled with light. Isn't it funny? The first thing it says is God said, let there be light. Hmm. And then in the Christian tradition or the Jewish tradition, it's, he says four days later, he created the sun and the moon, and he, and then he, but he said he created the earth and fashioned it, and he hurled it into existence. And then on uh, the fourth day of the earth's existence, he created the sun and the moon, the sun the greater of the lights and the moon the lesser. So you could separate the days from the weeks to, to separate the months from the years and mark the ascendant of time, right? Now, here's what's deep. Isn't it amazing that if you leave the earth, in an airplane, I'm not talking about going up into space. I'm just saying you take a flight from L.A. to New York or from Atlanta to Houston, whatever you want to do. Time changes. So the minute that you go, uh, an example, I'm in Houston, Texas doing this show right now. Right now, in the Middle East, it is 12 hours from here. So it's 8 p.m., about 8 p.m. here. Over there, that would make it uh, about 8 in the morning. In London right now, it's about 2 a.m. So if you just go up in an airplane, time starts being toyed with. But when you go to space, all of a sudden time becomes totally irrelevant. And here's something else I want you to think about. Every astronaut that has ever gone into space had one thing that he noticed. He said when he went, when they went into space and they looked back, they no longer saw this. They, no, uh, they no longer saw. Um, hang on a second, we're having a technical thing. Could you guys correct that for me? Thank you. Um, but they said they no longer saw humanity and their previous perception. They realized that this planet was just one living, breathing organism. That's another proof that God exists. Now, I'm coming for you. I know you keep going, when are you going to get to the part where I get what I want? See, that's your problem. You need to understand how this stuff works, and I'm giving you the blueprint so you can actually start using these laws in your favor. Now, does God exist? The universe operates by uniform laws of nature. Why does it? Much of life may seem uncertain, but look at what we can count on day after day. Gravity remains the same. A hot cup of coffee left on the counter will get cold. The earth rotates in the same 24 hours, and the speed of light does not change on earth or in galaxies far from us, right? 
So even once you leave this planet, though time is variant, universal laws are not. Remember that because I'm going to come back to that later. Universal laws are invariant. It says, now, how can we identify the laws of nature that never change? And why is this universal orderly so reliable? Well, here's, we're not going to break tonight, you guys. I want to stay with this. Uh, the greatest scientists have been struck and by how strange all of these things that there is no logical necessity for the universe to obey rules, let alone one that abides by mathematics. But with that said, there are some laws that were a mystery, but as we get wiser, we unlock these laws. One of those laws is your DNA code. Your cells are programmed. You know, you hear about stem cells, and you can take a stem cell. Now, listen to how I'm going to say this. You can take a stem cell and make it become whatever you want it to become. I'm going to say that again. You can take a stem cell, and it's transcription. The RNA is just, okay, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You want me to become a finger, I'll be a finger. You want me to be an eyeball, I'll be an eyeball. Now, isn't it funny? that through this process of meiosis and mitosis, which happens when a sperm fertilizes an egg, we have this division, and these cells go from one sperm, one egg, to millions, literally billion cells to form what we call junior. Yeah, your cousin, believe it or not, as big of a dummy as he is, he is a walking miracle, but so are you. And we look at these things, and and we look at this DNA code, and I'm just going to say ATGC. You know, that's what we're going to call this DNA code. Uh, You get into the proper names later. But when we look at this code, everything in your body organizes itself in such a way that it knows that that will be a nose, that will be an eye, that's going to be a bone. And you keep going, does God exist? And then we keep saying to ourselves, well, I think I've given you enough scientific evidence to prove you God exists. Now, here's where I want to go with this. There's a First, for you to have what you want, you must separate and respect and understand these laws. Rule number one, the first law, is man's law. In other words, if you live amongst a society or a civilization and you go do some crazy, man's law will lock your butt up. Man's law will set you free. Man's law tells where your property starts and ends. But see, even man's laws have to submit to natural laws, and natural laws are like... The law of gravity. You know, I don't care if you're on this planet, you're going to fall at one point some millimeters per second. You know, it's going to happen to you. You jump out of a plane, you're going to hit the ground. If you jump off a counter, you roll an egg off of a bar, it's going to fall and break. The law of gravity is no respecter of person. Now, you look at that and you say, well, If the law of gravity is no respect to a person, how does a plane get in there? Real simple, there's a law of lift. And if you do enough thrust, meaning you propel something, that's where we get the word propeller, something, and we put something to force the air to go up under it. That's why most airplanes have wings, duh. All of a sudden, that displaced air will lift something off of the ground. And, yes, that includes your fat aunt. Uh, you ever watch the hurricane? They lift a big butt right up in the air. Anyway, I don't know where I got that from. I think I've seen too many movies. But the point I'm making is simply this, that when we look at natural law, it is an evolution of man's law. I know I can hear you. Dr. D, what the hell that got to do with me getting my car? I'm I'm coming to your car, and, boo, you're going to get you some new weave, but let me explain this to you, okay? Okay? Now, back to the subject. So when man's law is trumped by the laws of nature, you must 
think that, you know, perhaps there's another law that supersedes the law of nature, and yes, it is. That law is universal law. That means that even once you leave this planet, there are some laws like the speed of light. It travels at a velocity that is consistent, whether it's on Earth or in space. There is also a law of cause and effect. For every action, there's an opposite reaction. It doesn't matter whether it's slowed by the vacuum of space or accelerated by Earth's gravity. If you do something, you're going to produce something. And then there's the law of energy that says energy can never be destroyed. It can be transformed into a new state, but it will yet exist in another state. Now, that one's a big one. So if all of these laws are true, you know there has to be a law that governs all laws, and that law is called divine law. And see, divine law sets into motion the laws of attraction. Now, I made the statement earlier that despite how much we trip and how silly we are, all of us, yes, that includes you, you that's sitting there hating on somebody else, you better stop and really hear this. All of us are created in God's image. The problem is some of us just aren't aware of it. Some of us don't utilize this power that we have been given despite the fact we've been created in such a wonderful image. And this is what this show is about, how to use that power. And here's how you use that power. You begin by respecting the fact that it exists. That's right. Anything that you are going to have that is as powerful as the laws of attraction you must understand that they do exist. Now, how do you connect with it? You say, well, Doc, you come in my way now. I'm about to get my Cadillac. Well, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But first, in order to understand how to utilize these laws externally, you have to be wrapped tight internally. You have to have your mind and your goals and your heart set at a higher level, and that's a level that goes beyond what you can see, what you can hear, what you can taste, smell, and see. This law is the one you hear. It says to be absent in the body is to be present with God. It's also this exact same law that postulates um, that it without Faith, it is impossible to please God, is this exact same law that says call those things that are not as though they are. This universe, the one that is external to you, is is made of the same materials that are internal to you. As a matter of fact, your body is a model of the universe. An example, uh, in space. You have all of these different attributes that constitute a solar system. You have a sun, and that sun gives off energy, and it has, it gives off electricity. In a man, you have a heart, which provides energy, and what happens when someone falls out? They do they get that defibrillator, bam, so electricity is in you. And then we look at the universe is composed of systems, Different galaxies, different planets, different uh, just all these anomalies. Well, the human is made of different systems, a respiratory system, a circulatory system, a musculoskeletal system, a crazy system. No, you really don't have it, but I thought I'd throw that in. Um, you know, a lymphatic system, an endocrine system, a renal system, okay? Now, all those systems in the heavens have some basic elements. They have neutrons, electrons, and protons, and every cell in your body is made of neutrons, electrons, and protons. And even on this earth, the earth is made of water, mostly water. What are you made of? Mostly water. The earth has lots of minerals that cause it to function and nourish it. You need minerals for your bone and your body to function and to grow, just like the earth. You're oxygen dependent, just like the earth. 
So as you can see, you are a walking representation of something much greater than yourself. Now, how the question is, how do I come in contact with divine representation of my own being? Glad you asked. The universe dwells in you. The source of all light and life is within you. As a matter of fact, that's a reason why you keep wanting to expand because the universe is ever expanding. All you're doing is functioning like that source from which you came. Now, for those of you that are stupid enough to think God is a person, he is not. God is a being. He is the ultimate celestial being. That's why he can be in all places at one time. And even in the representation, and I'm going to use Jesus, I'll use Muhammad, I'll use Buddha, each one of these great prophets, each one was able to do things that just confounded the minds of other people. But the thing that they did that you can do is miracles. But their miracles came because of belief. So the first lesson in this, uh, and I'm going to do a part two to this show since we had a technical issue. Uh, many people aren't hearing it, but the people that were meant to hearing it or hear it are listening right now, and that's you. This belief that they had. Why could Jesus walk up and heal someone? Very simple. Because he saw them in, a, in the state God created them to be to such a degree that his belief, understand that word, belief is what you know to be true that his belief allowed him to transcend the minds of most men to the point that they didn't even have to believe with him. His faith was so strong that his touch resonated in such a way that it would cause transformation in the person that he came into physical contact with. So here's your first step. What do you believe? Ask yourself that. What is it that I am pontificating? What is it that I am thinking about? What is it that I am doing? And how am I allowing that to shape my outcomes? You understand reality is perception. So what is it that you perceive about yourself and other people? When I did my doctoral Thesis, there's this thing called the placebo effect, all right, placebo. And this placebo effect is why certain people go into spontaneous remission from cancer, HIV, where some people in China, they had medicine-less hospitals that groups of people would get together and they would merely chant over someone. And over with an MRI and a CAT scan, they could see healing take instantly. The problem for many of us is we're so busy believing in what we see, we don't understand that which we see is nothing but the manifestation of that which we envisioned. I'm going to say that again. What we see is merely the manifestation of that which we envisioned. Okay? Next thing. In the same way, the soul which is the intermediary between you, the person, and the divine self that you are, you have to get control of that. And it says, you remember me saying to you earlier, to be absent in the body is to be present with God. So if you're interested in opening up to your divine self, the now all of a sudden the manifestation and illumination of that which you want becomes more accessible because believers also claim and can more easily turn away from the distractions of a physical world. Now, I'm going to give you something with this, and this will really help you as it relates to those of you that are suffering from physical afflictions. There's a yogi, and no, I'm not talking about no damn bear, yogi to bear. I'm talking about yogi as in, in the Middle East. Uh, in the Hindu and Ayurvedic uh, and the in India, places like that. These men, you see them levitating, laying on a bed of nails, 
you know, if I laid on a bed of nails, I'd have to be drunk because I swear I ain't doing that. But those people have learned to be so present in the spiritual realm that they take immediate dominion over the physical. Now, I'm not talking some, oh, here he goes with that. No, this is real stuff, real, real stuff. In Tibet, you know, the Dalai Lama, the brother walking around with the sheet on with no drawers. I wonder if he got on some drawers. And if he does, does he wear BBDs? That's weird, isn't it? Because I, I, I don't get it. But the cat's walking around with a sheet on, and it's snowing outside, and the temperature's like in the 20s, not 20s. That's on a warm day. But if they go outside where the elements are, the temperature's not even in the 20s. And these guys are not cold. And you ask yourself, how in the heck is old boy walking around in this freezing weather with a sheet on, no coat? And you stop and realize that, you know, it's not like he's he's wearing some Timberlands and that. You know what I'm saying? There's there's a reason for this. Well, when asked about this by Western uh, some Western metaphysicians and and physicists, the monks said that they carry fire in their belly. Now, I know some of y'all have been drinking that rock, that whiskey, and that moonshine, and that, that ain't what I'm talking about, yo. I ain't talking about the man is full of sake. They really do visualize a fire burning in their belly. So when these Western scientists heard this, they immediately went, oh, here we go with this. Okay, right, fire belly action. So one of them, being a smart butt, said, I got an idea. If you got a fire going in your belly, what I want to do is let I want you to put on a sheet, and not a regular sheet, a wet sheet, and let's see what happens. Now he does this knowing it's going this man gonna freeze to death, and they thinking this fool gonna be sitting up there, uh, uh, just shivering so hard his teeth sound like a typewriter clacking together. But that's not what happened. What happened was the sheets started drying from the man's body heat. And I'm not talking about started drying over an hour. I'm talking about, like, they put a wet sheet on these guys. Within 15 minutes, no more than 20 minutes, the sheet was dry. Any part of that sheet that was in contact with that man's body dried because of the heat he was giving off. Now, you ask yourself, okay, how did he connect with his divine self? How did he gain transcendence and the power to do that? Well, I'm going to give you another example. This happened in a, in America, and I know it was an Ivy League university somewhere. I don't know if it was Harvard or Boston U or whatever, but they had a yogi in a room, and he took a knife and stuck it in his bicep. And he did not bleed. So what happens is everybody's in the room, ooh and all, thinking this is a magician's trick. So one guy yells out, you know, there's always some fool in the room. And he yells out, that's some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So when he did it, the yogi looked up, came out of trance, and blood began to just run from where this thing was stuck in his arm. And the yogi smiled and looked at him and went back into a meditative state and the blood stopped flowing. Is is that a magic trick? No, it's not. Mind over matter. Now, here's the first thing that you must learn to do if you are to position yourself for transcendence. First, sit quietly, something that many of y'all can't do if I bet I'm talking to all them kids that your mama used to give you a quarter to just be still, right? Yeah. But sit quietly. Find a calm, quiet spot and spend some time in it. Set your intention. This is a word you're going to hear me use a lot, especially when I do part two of this show, because everybody that's missing this, I just had someone email me and say, the show, we'll come here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to tell you this. I know that for millions of people that aren't listening to this show, the few hundred thousand of you that are listening, it's because you were meant to hear this, and they weren't. I really do believe that. But you set your intention as you sit to make contact with your divine self, 
to open yourself up to it and receive energy from it. Now, how do you do that? The first thing is you must learn to be silent. Cut the TV off. You can't do this in text at the same time, boo, all right? which means cut your doggone cell phone off. If if you're scared to cut it off, just put it in airplane mode. That's what I do when I go to the movies. I just hit airplane mode, phone won't ring, and sit in the stillness. And what I want you to do is rid yourself of as many distractions as humanly possible. Now, because of this, Though you may not feel you have made contact, don't feel discouraged. Your intention is to connect with your divine self, and your receptivity to do it is all that is needed to receive this guidance and energy because it always responds to your call. Now, I know for a lot of you, you're going, okay, what did I miss? He, 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 he didn't say, I don't need to chant. I don't. Do I need to wear a robe? Do I need to get my lucky draws and my fishing hat on? No. You just need to sit your behind somewhere and be quiet in silence, preferably with your eyes closed, or if you can do this in the evening or early morning, with very little, if any, light. Maybe you light some candles or something before you do it. Make sure you don't burn your damn house down, but light some candles and sit in quiet. The next step, let your thoughts go. Release anything swimming around in your head. There's a term for this, and I know y'all think I'm making this term up because it's like it sounds like some of Dr. Young's statement, but it's not. Monkey mind, like, you know, monkey mind. My producer looked at me like I did that too good. Girl, forget you. Um, but the truth is, let these thoughts and this reptilian brain of yours, this brain that's paranoid, is that a, was that a bird? Oh, that ain't no bird. Is Oh, that is a bird. That part of you, let it go. Just be quiet and imagine yourself to feel unconditional love except that you're going to come in contact with all-knowing wisdom and look out through the eye within your spirit. Some people call this the third eye. Bring your state of mind to a place of inner stillness where you are doing nothing You're not thinking about anything, and you let go of the outer world. Go inside yourself and ask your divine self to draw you deep into you. Now, what does that mean when I say draw you deep into you? It says, and I'm I'm going to use some scriptorial references here, but it says, then he came to himself. Now, it's easy to go outside the door. It's easy to walk down the street. How do you come to yourself? And I'm going to tell you how you come to yourself. The way you come to yourself is that you um, you must lock yourself into this place of awareness, into this place of stillness where you can resonate with your own thoughts, with your own belief systems, and connect to the divine self in such a way that you, for a moment, disconnect from all of the things that are going on in the outer world. Now, your next step. Before or during this process, not allowed. Don't go, I want some help, y'all, over here. I don't do that. But I want you to just seek and ask for insight and guidance as you enter into this state of silence. For some of you, you can do it out loud, but you don't have to yell. And in this moment of silence, allow that divine self to impart to you wisdom, power, and love 
and just receive it. Now, now here's what we're going to do. Because this is such a show, I am getting so many emails right now. It's ridiculous. People send me, show, I can't get on. Well, they weren't meant to hear this, but we're not going to be selfish and hold knowledge back from anybody. What I'm going to do is we're going to do a part two of this. Um, I, I will talk to Blog Talk and talk to my producers and see if we can get this thing set up to go down on Wednesday. We were only broadcasting now once a week because of my schedule um, this year. I'm going to be doing a lot of television filming and what have you. But what I want you to do is simply this. Look at your notes. I'm going to give you a quick recap. Sit in stillness. Cut off everything around you. Be aware that when you look into the heavens and you see the stars and you see the sun and the moon or in the daytime even, you look up and you see the clouds and the sunshine and you feel it kiss your face. You are nothing but an integral part of that same source material. As a matter of fact, you are a spirit that is in a body having a terrestrial experience. And if you can wrap your brain around that, It'll take you a long way. Second thing that I want you to do is prior to going into this state, these things that you want, and I'm going to be talking about how to bring these things that you want forth, and that includes everything. I'm talking about babies, husbands, wives, dogs, lose weight, all of that. Um, I'm going to be talking about how to bring these things forth, and I will talk to my producers at blog and and see because this technical stuff has nothing to do with us. This is their issue, not ours. So, uh, but I'm again, I'm going to say this in just a simple way. This was not meant for everybody to hear. So the fact that many of you heard, I don't know if God chose you to hear it because you were the biggest skeptic on earth, or He chose you to hear this just because He wanted you to clear out your junk before he imparted something very special like this on you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to join and pick this conversation back up on Wednesday. I know some of you are going, no, man, this was getting good. Yes, it was. It surely was. But it's only fair to the millions of people that listen to this show that uh, we do what this show is there to do, and that's to enlighten and inform them. So with that said, I want you to um, be quiet, be still, meditate, and tune yourself into what God has for you because the fact that this this show is even being done is a testament that there's a change that's on the way in your life right now, a change that is so significant that God wants you to experience the transformation and give him the credit. I firmly believe that um, I am the evidence of such miracles. I've had a phenomenal ride in the last couple of years. And like my son said when he was a little boy, it's only going to get gooder. (laughs) So same thing is true for you. Now, make sure that uh, you go and hit the follow button. And if you haven't done it, hit it on blog. We're going to have our people, my people in New York are going to talk to them today and see what happens. Um, also hit us on Facebook and I promise you we're going to rewind this thing and hit it home. Uh, I'm thinking Wednesday if my schedule's cool. If not, it will be the same broadcast time on next Sunday night. So with that said, I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. And know this, I love you madly. Most sincerely I do. Talk to you in a few hours. Bye now.